yo what's going on baby nate kennedy the new money podcast episode 18 breaking the mold how to overcome the fear adversity and barriers on the path to success with afsha but how y'all doing man hope you guys are enjoying your week it is a beautiful day as i'm recording this i'm looking outside blue skies Today, I got a super special interview. I sat down with Afsha Butt, who is a financial consultant from Edmonton, Alberta. She's got a very prominent social media following. And today we talk about her story, why she leaned into entrepreneurship as she does have her own financial practice, as well as why she kind of went after social media. But most importantly, and what I really enjoyed most about this interview was she talked in depth about how she persevered through a lot of obstacles that were placed in front of her on her path to success and I thought it was super dope and I learned a ton from just listening to her talk about her story so in Ufsha's words she is not your run-of-the-mill financial consultant so from the jump she knew she had to do that thing differently her story is incredibly inspiring and I know a lot of you guys will love it so let's just dive on into it baby Ufsha how's it going Good. How are you, Nathan? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Just trying to stay sane, you know, getting a little stir crazy over here. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've, I've, people in Toronto have been saying they're in their skybox because you guys are all up. Are you in an apartment or are you in a house right now? So, no, I, I live out, uh, outside of uh, Hamilton. But okay. uh, yeah, I, I do live in an apartment with my dad. So it's just kind of been, uh, yeah, just trying to get as many walks and runs and, you know, any chore that he needs done, I'll, I'll go and drive and pick up something. You know? <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I never thought I'd be 60 and saying like, oh, I can't wait for my five o'clock walk, but that's starting to come out of my mouth. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, just, I guess we can just start. Maybe if you want to just start with your background, your story, sort of what you took in school and uh, you know, how you found yourself where you are today. Yeah. I mean, I can totally share that. So um, I know you were telling me earlier that you kind of had this passion for finance and you realized people around you didn't and this was going to be an easy medium for you to be able to translate that and I don't I was never passionate about finance but I know I grew up without money um, my family was pretty poor and we grew up like in a small oil rich city so everyone right. around me did and so you but there was one thing that like my grandpa taught me when I was five years old and it's like um put money away and you can save it or you can spend it and how to show you that. So money was important to me from a very early age, but I didn't understand how to get it or I didn't have any of the education behind it. So, I mean, just my background is I grew up, you know, went to university. I actually did nothing to do with finance. I got a degree in mathematical sciences and psychology. Like neuropsych is what I did. Wow. That's, um, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I used to think, I used to always say like nothing to do with what I'm doing now, but actually everything to do with what I'm doing now. Um, and so it's just interesting. It actually was my work experience that led me into finance. Um, I got a job at 18 at a, you know, in retail banking. And then, you know, fast forward six years later, I have my own practice. For sure. So with that sort of evolution, um, what, what inspired you to kind of uh, leave this sort of day-to-day -day grind and nine to five? Like what, what was it that really like, was like, man, I got to do this on my own kind of thing. Honestly, it was so in retail banking, they have sort of SR or sales revenue. And so they always have these contests or these goals that you got to hit, you know, every week. Mm -hmm. or and I started to realize that I was, you know, hitting number one at the branch. But then like my paycheck was the exact same. And I was never getting yeah. compensated. like how you move up and how you get compensated is so not aligned with the amount of work you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, 
I really just got tired of it. I was like, I feel like I'm doing so much work and making a lot of money and hitting all of these goals. And I'm not even able to sort of, I'm not moving up where I can now control my own schedule. Like I still got to show up at nine o'clock and I'm just doing the yeah. same over and over again. The other thing that bothered me is like, I, I have to work with any and every client and you're told how much time you could spend with each person. But that was mm. the part that I was good at was like connecting with people and spending the time that I thought was necessary. Right. Um, but I didn't even know you could do it on your own. I actually left retail banking and then I started doing the admin side of wealth management. So I was okay. opening up the TFSAs. Right, right, right. So I saw all these advisors have their private practices and that was sort of my gateway into being like, oh, I'm going to try doing this on my own. Mm -hmm, for sure. <laughs> so when you started out, I, obviously, it's, it, I'm sure it wasn't just a straight line path like to start that sort of <laughs> no, thing. Yeah. So kind of walk me through um, how that passion for, uh, you know, helping people with their finances sort of developed as well as like the, the sort of issues and struggles you had along the way with, with your uh, opening up your own practice. Mm, well, one of the first ones I'd say is everyone around me were, were like, why are you leaving a salary or hourly paying job that's sort of secure and safe and you're done your degree now? Like, why would you go and start this and how would you build this business? So there's definitely mm -hmm. this massive risk that people kept warning me about and like, mm -hmm. oh, you're just going to be a salesperson and why would you do that sort of thing? Mm -hmm. um, and so for myself, I really did this deep dive into the financial side of it, which was like, I don't care if I give this a year and I'm not good at it, but like, I don't want to lose money on it. So I went yeah. open contracts of like how you open your practice. And I'm like, if I had to leave in six months, what would happen? And mm -hmm. so when I realized there was no consequence that I would just simply, you know, stop, quit. And my clients could, you know, would it get transferred, things like that. I was like, okay, then I just need to make sure that I'm okay personally, because a lot of like financially, personally, where people, you know, run out of money and then they can't last in the business. Mm -hmm. They will get a line of credit. So I just had to make sure that I had six months of savings mm -hmm. and, you know, six months to a year. And then I gave myself a year and said, right. I'm just going to go at this and try whatever it is I have to do and go in with a plan. Um, and then if in a year I'm not happy with my results, not necessarily make it, but if I'm not happy with what I've done in a year, then mm -hmm. I can. And yeah. so I kind of had this exit in case because everyone around me was like, this is crazy. Don't do that. Right. It's interesting, too, because I, I hear I hear two opinions, right? It's like the one opinion is like, well, if you're not all in, then you're not in at all. And yeah. I don't I don't agree with that, per yeah. se, because I think I think that's kind of reckless. To, yeah. Like, for example, with with entrepreneurship, like um, I haven't necessarily I don't have a body of work to speak on. But from what I've sort of seen, it's like the people I've seen people crash and burn because they, they leave and they don't have anything. They don't have anything saved up. They don't have any sort of plan of attack. They just, well, I'm going to quit my job and then I'm just going to pursue this and it's going to work. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, there's a level of being naive to that because yeah. it's like, okay, you, you need to, there's nothing wrong with pursuing your passion. There's nothing wrong with going after things that you know you can do. That's absolutely okay. But you also need to understand like you have responsibilities at the end of the day. Like you sort of need to, have something there just in case. So I don't know, kind of take me through that because again, I, I hear arguments for both sides. Like if you're not all in, you're not in at all or other sides where they're like, well, it's, it's okay to have savings and like basically like a backup plan. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, you're right. There's two sides. And I do hear a lot that you should do this side hustle, right? While you do mm -hmm. your hourly paying job so you can still pay your bills and that would work. Um, mm -hmm. Personally for myself, I don't think I would have been able to do this if I didn't give it my all. Like mm -hmm. the amount of 
hours that it took up in my day to even just get started. I was working from like 9 a.m. to 1 a.m., right? Like right. my mom and family didn't believe that I was at the office some days. They're like, what do right. you mean? 1 a.m. on a Friday. I'm like, I wish I was out and doing things, right? But I'm yeah. at the office. So for me, the reason that they said, you know, there might be an idea that you should work hourly in order to and then have a side hustle is because of money so i was like i'm just going to make sure that i have that six months to a year saved so right. i don't have to worry about money and i can give it my all not everybody has that luxury but right. if you can for my what worked for me to be able to give it my all was to make sure that i had a year's worth of bills so right. i didn't have to worry about that side of it that means if at the end of the year i came out just on par meaning my income met my overhead and i made nothing i'd still be okay right right but it was so worth it to to give it a shot I'm someone who needs to focus on whatever I'm working on. So I can be doing six things, but at that time I need to be working on that one thing. And mm -hmm. so if I had to switch from like going to work, even just in retail banking, let's just right. say, can't actually do that. But let's say I had to work at retail banking nine to three. And then I came to the office and I was working from like five to 10. Like my brain wouldn't be giving it my all. I wouldn't be able to like switching from like working for someone else to doing my own thing would be very hard. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's definitely, you know, you need to find what works for you at the end of the day. And, um, there's this guy, there's this book I read, um, it was, it was on focus and it's like how poorly, uh, humans yeah. are at multitasking and multi and yeah. having their attention divided. And it basically yeah. said like, you really have to pick one thing and just yeah. and lean into it. So, yeah, that's that's really awesome. So with your business, you have a quite a prominent following on social media. You know, I've seen your posts; they're awesome. Over like thirty k followers on Instagram. So, you know, what was it that made you lean into social media? And was it sort of did you want to build your business through it, or was it just kind of this thing that happened? Yeah, actually, that's a really good question. Um, it had nothing to do with business in the beginning. Right. Um, I actually just started it because I realized there was so much that I wanted to be able to share about my life. And there was so mm -hmm. much impact that I wanted to make. Like right. in the first few years, when you start out in finance for myself, it was all about making it. Cause you don't think you're going to last as this huge rat race or, yeah. you know, sharks take type of feel when you start. And people are really just always watching to see if you'll make it. Um, and so for myself, that was what was important. But after a while, when I started, you know, hitting number one in the city and, and getting those, hitting those goals and being like, okay, I haven't necessarily made it, but I've experienced some level of success. Those numbers didn't mean as much anymore. Mm. You know, hitting like whatever a million it was. It mattered, but it wasn't like getting me out of bed the same. Mm. And so I started to think about where I could get fulfillment. And really it came out of the favorite parts of my job, which are teaching and impact. And so I was like, how can I reach a broader range or a broader audience than just the one-on-ones that I have with my clients or the seminars that I'm doing? And mm. so that. I realized, you know, there was social media, which meant that like I could be in front of 8,000 people. And I'm like, when am I ever going to have an audience of 8,000 people that are going to want to listen to me about whatever? Right. Um, so it really didn't have to just do with finance. It was like even travel. I felt like I had experience that a lot of people maybe our age didn't have. And I wanted to be able to share that. So I remember the decision I made from going private to public. And yeah. I, I had seen a couple people's pages in L.A., um, that were doing the same where they were advisors and they shared their personal life as well. Mm. And so I just started to be like, you know what, who knows? Let's see how, where this goes. And I, I was doing like a volunteer trip every year. I wanted to share that. So mm. I just started sharing on, on social media. And then eventually it became way more structured around like finance and still my personal life. But now I'm actually, you know, getting business out of it, but that was never the intention. Right, right, for sure. So how did you grow as quickly as you did? Or if it wasn't quick, how did you 
how is that sort of ascension and you know what's the sort of reception around the content you've been releasing over time i mean yeah like when you say quickly like i started it almost a year ago so for me it just feels like it's been forever but i and yeah. that in the time of a year it's not but yeah. i was like oh man like i'm putting so much into this i stopped thinking about like how much i'm growing and exactly what type of value i'm putting yeah like people were starting to realize i mean it was funny because i was starting to get feedback as if it was the first time I was doing it, but I had already been doing whatever I was doing for years. It was just like now being put out there. So I was like, oh, people like this, people want to learn. And actually it was through the feedback I realized people wanted to know more about the finance side of it. Anytime I spoke about some sort of investing, it was such an unknown world and people think investments are risky or I don't know, like really cool, but they don't understand it. I started started to post more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kept going off of people's feedback and saying like, okay, what do people want to know? And even the type of content I post has completely evolved. So mm-hmm. I just keep it making sure that it aligns with what I'm going through. Like as I grow, I want to share. Um, there's two parts that I really want to share. Like one is the highlight reel that everyone does, which is like, oh, this is my life. Look at what I do mm-hmm. and share it with people. But then at the same time, I realized that I wasn't really sharing, sharing any of my struggles. So mm. I started to want to just be like documenting my journey um, and post more about, you know, making sure that I was okay with it because you don't want to be too vulnerable online. Right. Um, but just, I find that I, it grew a lot faster when I started to share my actual journey. Then I didn't right. have to make things up or stress about it. It was just like, I know I'm growing. I'm doing this anyways. I'm not necessarily creating content. I'm documenting what I'm doing. Yeah, no doubt. And I feel like people really they gravitate towards like raw, like real stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they don't, they don't want to see highlight, 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 highlight. Cause like, obviously everybody has their own struggles. And I think people mm-hmm. really have that sort of uh, empathy for that, for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I, I really think for me as a, as a viewer of content, whenever somebody just like, yeah, I just had a, a terrible day, but we're doing okay. And like just complete transparency. So when you started to show that side, like did you get even more of like, a, wow, this is awesome. Like, I'm really glad to see somebody's kind of being real out here. Yeah. Like instead of, oh, congrats, or you're killing it. It was more like, oh my God, I went through this too. Or you're so, mm-hmm. it's so great that you're sharing this. Cause this, it was more going along the lines of why I started, which is impact. And people were right. able to connect with me. Like I did a post on, you know, public speaking. I, I remember, mm-hmm. I remember in my first few years being like, oh, there's a lot that I'm learning and I can do, I can do this. I was starting to get that feeling like I could do it. And then I used to always be like, the one thing I could never do, though, is public speaking. Because it's mm-hmm. one thing to, you know, be able to connect with someone one-on-one or teach a group of five even or ten mm-hmm. in the corporate office. But there's no way I could public speak. And then, one, you know, once I realized, holy crap, I'm, like, doing events of 800 people, I didn't want to just share that I was do it, speaking in front of 800 people. Like, I wanted to share that, like, I overcame this fear of public speaking that I never, ever thought of that I could do. And that one got like tons of feedback on LinkedIn, Instagram, that sort of thing. Right, right. That's that's really awesome. That's really awesome. So with, with your social media presence, is there a separate business altogether around like sponsorships, promoting, things like that? Or is it just a tool that um, you like to use to, to share your content and your um, sort of day-to-day life, things like it's that? It's just a tool. Like I don't do anything, like I don't monetize any of it. I mean, people... Mm. I, went, I met with an inve- investment banker in, in Toronto and she was like, you're crazy. Like you're going in and teaching seminars of 200 people and you're not charging. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I just wanted to get like this business, give social media a year and just right. do everything for free. Like I really believe in teaching people and then them coming to you because you were the one that taught them. Right. So I just, everything about it is honestly, I haven't monetized any of it. I mean, there's, there's 
not sponsorships necessarily, but there's like, oh, can we send you this? And then, you know, you promote it. And I'll do that if I believe in the product, like the mm -hmm. last those tights that don't rip. Can't remember what they're called. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? I actually need these. Like pantyhose are really annoying. But if right. it's not something that I believe in or it's not something that my followers are going to be helped by, then I'm not interested. Right. Absolutely. And I think that that really helps build a very strong, like non-diluted brand when, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're staying true to that, right? You're showing that real side. You're not, you know, promoting product after product. You're, you're kind of just doing, you're staying true to your mission. And like, that's so, that's very inspiring to see. So Afsha, I just want to lean back into um, your, your, your business. And I, we kind of uh, went over it, but I, I really want to know some of the nitty gritty details, like how, how hard was it? How, like hiring things like you haven't done before, like assembling your team, things like that. Just, just take me through that, like that battle that I guess you got to kind of go. Yeah. Through. I'm like, Ooh, what do I share? What do I share? <laughs> yeah. the hardest part about, you know, having any level of experience is like, how do you simplify that and share that with people? Like really mm -hmm. not just like, Oh, keep trying, but like actually get right. into it. Um, right. okay. So right from the get go, I knew that I looked nothing like any other advisor. I mean, just mm -hmm. the simple fact that I left from like an admin role to opening my own practice, nobody mm -hmm. had really done in my region. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously being a female minority, I'm the only female minority at my office that's an advisor. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just knew from the get-go there was things that I couldn't do that other people were doing that, that experienced success. Like I couldn't meet a guy at a bar or a restaurant and be like, yeah, I'll pick up the check then at five o'clock at Friday. You know, like things mm -hmm. like that. I just knew I didn't even want to get into that world because I'd have to navigate yeah. in a completely different way. And so then what I started doing is being like, okay, so I have to do this a completely different way anyway. I already know that going into this. And so that's where I started doing things like seminars. I was like, I just want to get in front of a classroom of people and teach. And even though it's for free, I know that I'm going to be able to provide value. Um, and so when you say like nitty gritty, I guess everybody has the thing that's going to be their challenge, mm -hmm. whatever makes them different might be their challenge in the beginning. But if you go in and change your perspective saying like, yes, this is, you know, you might see it as a downfall or something that like puts you at a starting line that's behind other people. Eventually, when you figure out how to make that work, people are going to come to you because of what makes you different, not in spite of. So when I talk about the grind, I'm like, I just knew from the get-go that I had to do it differently because of what made me different and, and not see it as something that set me back. Um, and so then once I started, I took this huge risk. You know, we all take this risk when we start in business in your first year. And once I experienced like a mild level of success, I'm like, okay, you know, I got one of these awards or something like that. In my second year, like just starting out, I knew that I couldn't do 9 a.m. to like 1 a.m. anymore. Like I couldn't do yeah. 9 9 p.m. Like there wasn't a single day I was going home for dinner, basically. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to get burnt out. Like I did it for a year on and off. And then I was like, I can't continue to do this. So what I had to do was I had to be willing to say, okay, I made this in a year. Now I have to be able to give that up and give it to someone else who can help me with this load of work. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, put myself back into the situation that I was essentially not going to get paid. So I right. finished the first year. But then when I started my second year, I hired my first assistant. I felt like I was in my first year again, where I wasn't mm. getting a paycheck. You essentially give up your paycheck to pay someone else in order mm. for that to happen. And you go in with this like blind belief that you're gonna make it work. You, I mean, obviously you have a business plan, but you have to have some level of like, okay, I gotta give this another six months. So the same, I guess what I would tell anyone that's wanting to grind and, and start their own practice or, or is in it and not sure how to build their team, mm. it's like 
every time you experience some level of success where you feel like you've figured it out and you can do this, you almost got to put yourself back in the position of like risking yourself again. So right. every time I hire someone, like now I have a team of four, I feel like I basically had to give up my paycheck for however long right. in order to like until the team or that next person started make, generating that new money. Because sure. the reality sure. is you have to survive, right? You have bills to make. It's not always about the money, but you need to be able to cover your fixed expenses. And it just, I always got scared. Like every time I was going to make that new step, like, oh, should I be hiring another assistant? Who am I? Like I was 23 when I started. Everybody was like, why are you hiring an assistant at, you know, 23 years old? That's a bit too, that's a bit early for you. Like you hear comments like that. And I would ask yeah. people's advice. It wasn't necessarily bad advice. It was just, it was their opinion. And I had mm -hmm. to decide between opinion and advice. And I knew from the get-go that I was doing things that were different anyway. When it comes to building my team and the nitty gritty, it was really being able to put myself in that risk over and over and over again. And knowing that it's going to work if we just you know, work day in and day out with that plan. And then just keep pushing that envelope, you know, uncomfortability sort of thing, always yeah. pushing for that. Yeah. yeah. Like I remember one person told me, one of my mentors was like, if you're not scared, you're not growing. Exactly. Yeah. Like if you're just staying in the comfort level that you are, like specifically that was said to me, because I was like, I don't know, I'm just scared. I actually said that out loud. Right. Mm -hmm. And when, and that's hard to admit. And that was the first thing I remember my mentor said was like, if you're not scared, you're not growing. And every time you feel like you get to that point where you're like, Oh, can I do this? Right. And you do it, you've grown. When you were starting out, when you're going through, you're building your book of uh, business, you know, being a uh, minority female, when you were sort of differentiating yourself and you saw people gravitate towards you because of that, what were some struggles specifically because you're a minority or a female or both? And like, was it discreet? Was it overt? Like yeah. kind of take me, take me through that. Oh yeah. Like even though I knew that that was a potential, it, when it happens, you're just, you're kind of like, you don't really want to believe that it's actually happening. Right? right. Right. So, I mean, there's been times where you do an entire plan for a client and, or a prospective client and then at the end they sort of take it to a different like I remember I'll give you a specific story there was this prospective client that was referred to me by a realtor right completely mm -hmm. professional um, you meet with them you get their goals and concerns you develop a plan you do their investing uh, recommendations and we did the proposal and my assistant had left the office at the time just to go get the paperwork and in that mm -hmm. time um, this guy had shut the door while she went to go get it and was you know completely turned it around to being like, oh yeah, so actually I haven't been able to stop thinking about, and you know, just was no longer professional about it. And like, let, basically asked me out. And I was just like, wow. what? Right. I've never actually shared this with anyone. So you're the first person. Oh, cool. awesome. Awesome. <laughs> and I was like, what? No, like they say this is going to happen, but there's no way this is happening. Oh, it's happening. And my assistant came back and she was like, I was just outside the door. Not sure if I should come in. And I mean, we're a female team, right? It's all female mm -hmm. teams. We're both figuring out, navigating how to deal with this. Yeah. And so I essentially actually just said like, okay, you know, I don't know how to deal with this, but I gotta, you gotta learn really quickly how to, no one teaches mm -hmm. you how to do that. Like I remember mm -hmm. one of the female advisors when I first started, sat me down and said, you know, people are gonna have crushes on you. You're just gonna deal with it. And I was like, no, like I'm, yeah. not, <laughs> no like, I'm not picking up a check because, you know, and I was like, I don't, that really doesn't sit right with me. Maybe that's what worked for this person in the time that they grew up because she was, she's much older. Um, and so I just had to essentially turn that person away and like give up business because I was like, this just doesn't really fit my code. Mm -hmm. And so that's essentially what I had to start doing as a 
as a as a female and as a minority is like build some level of code that just worked mm. for me so that I wasn't put in those positions again. Mm -hmm. um, other examples are like networking events. They didn't work for me. Like you can't, I couldn't just give my phone number out and you know expect that when I was getting a call, it was going to be for business. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and that happened, right? I didn't I didn't know that at first. I didn't go in thinking that was gonna happen. And then you come out and you get a call saying hey, I want to invest a million dollars. Oh, by the way, what are you doing Friday night? And you're just like, okay, this is not working. And it's so, it's like you you can't even talk about it because all of the men around you, because this industry is just all like white males that I work with. It's all, We live in Alberta, right? So like I, think <laughs> I, wasn't, in Toronto, I wasn't in Toronto yet. So yeah. there's nobody that is female and no one that is a minority. So they're just like, oh, it must be nice. Like it's it's like you sound like you're complaining about something that's actually a good thing. And they didn't recognize how bad that was. It was like, mm -hmm. uh, no, you know, when someone's meeting you, it's for business. Yeah. I have to navigate this whole other territory. The other thing I would say, like what you and I would deal with is ageism, right? So yeah, you show up at a client's door or you're meeting with someone and they're like, what are you going to teach? I have a kid older than you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so um, I always took that on as a challenge where it was like, give me, give me 10 minutes, you know, give me 20 minutes of me talking. Foot in the door. Yeah. And it, like it became this awesome, um, a win for me where like clients went from like, you know, sitting like this, like, what are you going to teach me? I was expecting an older bald dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then they start going, oh, okay. So like, what about this? And do you think I should do this with my statement? And should I be moving these funds over here? And that's mm -hmm. when I was like, yes, like I got, you know, as soon as they go from crossing their arms to asking all these questions, they're realizing that you actually have a lot of knowledge in the field. But I, but every time I knew that I was going to have to have that uphill climb at the beginning of the meeting where they were just going to not, you know, they're not going to just um, trust that I'm an advisor from the get go. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's so interesting you say that um, the sort of stereotypical, like when you think of finance, you think of, you know, Wall Street, you think of, you know, like you said, white males, it's big business, things like that. Yeah. And, you know, what, what I love about your story is, is you've just like with your, you know, not promoting products with not monetizing with not being not compromising your morality for business. Uh, it shows such a strong moral compass. And it shows that you're sort of spearheading this like movement of, of young sort of diverse people are talking about money. And I think typically speaking, stereotypically, it's, it's money, you know, money management isn't diverse. It isn't, you know, youth, it, youthful. It, and so to, mm -hmm. to talk to somebody that's kind of on that same wave and, and just trying to like get this out there for, for everyone is, is very, very refreshing. This whole situation, it's been quite crazy just trying to trying to adjust um but i'd imagine that there's still quite the opportunity for you and your business to seize on so sort of take me through uh how you've been navigating that as the head honcho and and how that's kind of been going for you none of us knew what was going to happen and week to week we were like okay are we supposed to stay at home are we supposed to go out what are we doing and i was actually in toronto where i flew back was it like march 15th right around the time that it started to get way more like, okay, if you're outside of Canada, you should come back home, that sort of thing. Um, and I remember I just, I had a cough or something. So I started quarantine, I quarantined for 14 days, self-quarantined. Right. Right. Um, and I had already told my team while I was in Toronto, like, okay, everyone take their laptops home. Mm. It was a really, what surprises me now is, and I tell the team this all the time, like, you guys, this was a crazy, the most efficient switch I've ever seen. Like overnight, we took our laptops home. All of our clients' files are always scanned anyway. 
So I think out of the entire office, that was our benefit that like, yeah, we're all in our, you know, twenties or whatever, but at the end of the day, we were able to use technology and go home and work from there. So they were already working from home before our office had even announced that like, or our building, I guess, had announced that we should work from home. Mm -hmm. um, and so then I remember I quarantined for 14 days and I'm like, how am I going to do this? Like, I'm going to be sitting in a room. Like I am someone who travels, you know, almost once a month, I'm always doing something. So that's yeah. mentally was super hard, but I kind of threw myself into the practice, which was like, I realized that I was going to be getting tons of client emails or questions. People were going to be afraid and they weren't even going to reach out. So I started working. I put all my efforts into like writing out emails where I was just say like, tell me how you feel as right. like, here's a market update. Here's some actual facts about what's happening. There's a ton of unknown, but how do you feel throughout this? Are you worried about your portfolio? Like, I want to hear from you, reach out to mm -hmm. me. And that's kind of how we switched over to like navigating this unknown. Um, and you're, and you're dealing with, clients entire life savings entire net worth right so people trust you with millions of dollars you really have to i guess i just took that on as a responsibility and that i normally already do but i just took that on and made that my focus in in this whole switch right and you know it's it's interesting because so many companies like myself i've gotten so many emails about companies you know yeah. saying the same thing we are here for you we are <laughs> i was here like oh well thank you. you i'm really like, happy you're here yeah, for me my cell phone it, provider <laughs> exactly and i you know what it's funny on youtube um i actually saw this commercial or i, I saw this video and it compiled yeah. all the you know fortune 500 companies all the commercial it is like cookie cutter the same like it is like oh. the same family the same music the same everything and it's it's yeah. it's it's almost just like it's it's it is very disingenuous and so so you know i i really like how you were like no like you know business aside like how are you like what can i do to to serve yeah. you yeah and we even use the words like we want to be your first point of reference for information like let you know when the um, government was coming out with the relief we we knew like let's say it came out on tuesday i think by wednesday we had an email typed up where we um you know simplified all the words on the canada revenue website and then just said yeah. okay, here or the government website and said here's what you need to know and here's how you can apply and here's the link mm -hmm. so i mean i think we just took that really seriously and then on top of that, we just knew, like, of course, in the investment world, when this is happening, it's actually outside of um, all of the the scary part of it and the horrible parts of it. There's actually this huge opportunity, right? So mm -hmm. I was calling clients and saying, like, now's the time. Like, we don't know when this is going to happen again. Everything is on sale, and so essentially on the business side of things, we've done more, you know, last month than we have all year. Absolutely, so, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's it can definitely be very crazy to kind of think about but there's there's mm -hmm. a lot of opportunity out there for mm -hmm. sure so what what would you say to to young adults who are kind of going through this time i mean you know my age specifically i just graduated uh, and i know that a lot of my uh friends people i know are just in limbo right now so what would you kind of say uh to them a, a sort of a word of encouragement with respect to not only their career and their life but like with their finances with their money things like that it depends on the situation. Like if you have expenses and you have to be working, I don't necessarily know how to monetize whatever it is you're doing. Like if you don't have a job, but mm -hmm. what I've been saying to anyone in click. So an example would be my sister. She's in that situation. She's just finished school. She's like, mm -hmm. what do I do? And I send her links every so often being like, Hey, here's how to monetize this. Like we mm -hmm. started a YouTube channel and she turns out to be really good at the editing side of it. So I'm like, mm -hmm. why don't go and pursue that like I know you didn't get your degree to think that you're going to be editing videos but there's yeah. a huge 
there's a niche here and there's a huge need for it, right? So why don't you try this? And so what I would say to any young adults outside of, I don't want to keep like, there's so much bad that's happening right now, but mm-hmm. outside of that, if you're not actually having to deal with it and you're kind of just sitting in limbo, I would say that like, take this time and appreciate it for what it is that you can get out of it, which mm-hmm. is like time to explore without getting shame from anyone else that you're passionate about because yeah. otherwise it's like get a job what are you doing like there's all this judgment behind and especially that little that lull after school where everyone yeah. seems to figure be figuring out what they want to do you know you hear your friend got this corporate job your friend got that job and you're like well what am I supposed to do yeah. and you judge yourself so hard or other people are judging you or whatever that is it, the, you can take advantage of this time to be like right now everyone's stuck at home use this to your advantage because I wish I had you know six months to f- figure out you know, dabble in different things and figure yeah. out what works for me. Like, what do I really like? And then how do I monetize this? Because the reality is you do need to have some stream of income, right? For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what would you say the, the one thing that sets apart, you know, successful people, not just young kids, but people in general, like what's the one sort of trait if it's, is it consistency? Is it discipline? Is it action? You know, res- action. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like I, I like 100% I know that I'm not here because I have this talent. I'm not here mm-hmm. because I'm the smartest or uh, that I'm like the hardest worker or anything. It's just action. Like anytime I have an idea, I go and do it. I try it. Right. Whether it flops or whether it doesn't, you're doing it. Like remember right. that I was saying it earlier that like you take risk, right? Every time you get to a position where you're comfortable, you're doing that next step. And that to yeah. me is just action. Um, mm-hmm. you know, people always say consistency is key and habits and things like that. But for me, I know that if everybody just took what they said they wanted and did a little bit to get there, that's going to be what separates you from successful and unsuccessful. Because everybody says they want this life. Yeah. Everyone yeah. says they want to be a business owner or an entrepreneur or do these things, but then yeah. not everyone's willing to do it. Right. It's interesting too, because you know entrepreneurship seems to be this this sort of wave that's it's really started taking over with with social media i think it's really amplified that that sort of like hustle and um like gary v i, I follow that guy a lot like i absolutely love that guy and um he he always talks about how you know uh kids think entrepreneurship so cool he's like well you know when i was actually doing this like i was a loser yeah. like people thought i was a loser and so like i remember yeah. when i was younger before like this whole social media wave, like when I was like a kid, whenever there's like this joke when you'd say, oh, I'm on, I'm an entrepreneur, people would be like, okay, you don't have a job. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You're a person with an idea and no job. <laughs> yeah. 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 And now it's this like cool, like, oh, like I'm an entrepreneur. So like, how, how would you say somebody should navigate that? Right. Because there's this sort of like, you say the word entrepreneurship and there's just so much feeling around it. If it's, if it's good or bad or whatever. So what would, like, what would you say in terms of uh, for them to sort of pursue it, regardless of the stigmas around it or whatever the case is? Oh, I say this so much. Okay, so like throwing all possible doubt out the window. Like if I had the belief that I do now in myself five years ago, I can't imagine like the the process of doing what I've done would be so much more enjoyable. I would get so much more fulfillment and I wouldn't have had to take like a year off to go and take leadership courses and do all the stuff outside of the numbers mm-hmm. in order to figure out that I needed to enjoy this process. But I had to just get rid of judgment. Like it's interesting you talk about Gary Vee, like what he's done for me. I listened to him religiously and mm-hmm. what he's done for me is just to stop caring about judgment. But I would tell anyone who's like any young entrepreneur out there or someone who's wanting to pursue it, 
is like throw all the possible, like if you want to do it and you're passionate about it, throw all that doubt out the window, whatever comes in your way, we're like, but this, but that, like we have so many reasons as to why we won't do it. Yeah. Yeah. If I tell my younger self something or anyone else out there that's wanting to pursue it. It's like, just get rid of that doubt and try. So there you have it guys loved sitting down with Afsha. It was honestly so refreshing to speak with her and you know how she embraces failure head on. I definitely think I can apply that to my life in terms of persevering through any sort of fears or doubts or whatever I may have. So I personally took a lot from that. I know a lot of you guys will as well. If you want to check out Afsha, she is on Instagram. Her name is Afsha on the run, A-F-S-H-A on the run, typical spelling for on the run. All one word. Go check out our content. It's super, super dope. But that is all I have for you guys today. Enjoy the rest of your week, and I will see you on Sunday with another episode. Probably going to finally release that relationship one. I know I've been saying that, but uh, yeah, I'm finally going to launch that, and we'll get back to just me talking on the mic, seeing how it goes. You know, a lot of interviews recently, but I know you miss me. You don't. It's fine. I'm keeping this in there. You think I'm going to edit it out? I'm not. Lol. I didn't get enough sleep last night. Okay. I'm out this mother. Peace.